Take your Bibles this morning and turn to uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, it's there. We're going to uh, read just uh, one verse of Scripture there. Uh, but we're ac- actually going to examine the, uh, uh, a lot of the text there. So uh, just keep your Bibles uh, open. Uh, there's a story that says that the fields were parched and brown uh, from a lack of rain. And the crops lay wilting from thirst, and people were anxious and irritable as they searched the sky uh, for any sign of relief. Days turned into errant weeks, and no rain came. The ministers of the local churches called for an hour of prayer for the townspeople uh, the following Saturday. So they requested that everyone bring an object of faith, to bring an object of faith for inspiration. At high noon on the appointed Saturday, the townspeople showed up in masses, filling the square uh, with anxious faces and hopeful hearts, and the ministers were touched to see the variety of objects uh, clutched in prayerful hands. There were Bibles, crosses, rosaries, were only a few uh, of the faith symbols. When the hour ended, as if on a magical command, a soft rain began to fall. Cheers swept to the crowd as they held their treasured objects high in gratitude and praise. But from the middle of the crowd, one face symbol seemed to overshadow, seemed to overshadow all the others. And it was a small nine-year-old child that had brought an umbrella. Another story is told about on a summer, there was this drought that threatened the crop in a small town. Once again, it was hot and dry. On that Sunday, the village uh, pastor told his congregation, there isn't anything uh, except to pray now for rain. So go home. He said, I want you to pray. He said, I want you to believe, and I want you to come back next Sunday ready to thank God for sending the rain. The people did as they were told and returned to the church the following Sunday. But as soon as the pastor saw them, he was furious. He said, we cannot worship today. He said, you do not believe. He said, you do not believe, he said, but they protested. He said, hey, we prayed. He said, hey, we believe. He said, believe, he responded, then where are your umbrellas? I want you to know this morning that whether it's that little girl or that pastor in that congregation, these umbrellas, they represent uh, a a testament of faith. They, They represent a symbol of faith. And this morning, we're going to look at the prophet Elijah, and we've sung that song before. Uh, and we've used these umbrellas before, and I, and I get excited when we use this umbrella during that song, because really what this umbrella represents, it represents an amen. It represents a, hey, let it be. It represents go, pastor, go. It, 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 it simply represents a, a, a statement of faith. And as we are on this second Lord's Day in the year 2024, God just led me to preach a message entitled, Bring the rain in 2024. You see, we need to have faith. I've said this on occasion, but but we need to have faith. I I no longer go to churches to hear pastors preach. I'm not concerned about whether a sermon is good or whether a sermon is bad. I don't care whether the music is hot or whether it's not as hot or soft or loud. I don't care about all those things. I, I go to church for one reason, and that's simply to encounter the living presence of Almighty God. I go to church to see somebody get saved. You know, you know what was 
interesting over these backside of these three months as we closed out 2023. Almost every single week we had somebody get saved. We had a Sunday where we had 11 people get saved. We had a Sunday where we had like six people get saved. We had a Sunday where we had like four people get saved. And every single week I was texting Andy. I said, Andy, put this out on Facebook. Put this out on Facebook. He probably thought I'd done turn to Facebook because I, I would text him all the time. And what we were doing is we were just simply bragging on what the Lord was doing. I mean, it was all about God's glory. It was all about Almighty God. And man, anytime we go to church service and somebody is passing from death into life and somebody is being saved and lives are being changed, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I praise God for the studies and I I, I praise God for the songs and I praise God for the fellowships and I praise God for the food. But you know what? I've I've gotten to a place in my life where I've been in ministry 30 years and and I've, I've gone to plenty of church services but I want to go to a God service. I, I want to go to a service where, where God is on the move. And that umbrella represents a, a testimony, a statement of faith. It, it represents a, a promise. It represents a belief that God is going to do something. You know, the Word of God, it reminds us continually that every promise, every single promise that is locked in the pages of His Word, every single promise that is locked in the pages of his word is good. It's good to the last letter. Matter of fact, second Peter three and nine tells us that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Simply stated, that means that if the Lord promised, he is going to keep that promise. If he made a promise to you concerning a healing, then you need to know he's going to keep that promise. If he made a promise to you concerning his provision, he's going to keep that promise. If he made a promise to you concerning your unsaved loved ones, then you need to start saving them a seat uh, in 2024 because he is going to be faithful to that promise and he's going to save them. Isaiah 40 and 8 reminds us that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And I know that there are many of us that are sitting here this day 14 days into this new year, and you're looking for a promise to cling to. In the Old Testament, there is this king, and the people want to know, is there a word from the Lord? And today, I want you to know that uh, I've done my best uh, to get a word from the Lord, because you don't need to hear uh, a, a, a word from me, but you need to hear a word from the Lord. Sometimes here today, you're looking for a word of hope that you can hold on to. Some of us here today are are facing dark clouds of uncertainty that have gathered in front of us. And this morning, you're here sitting in this church wanting the light of the world to come through and shine upon you. Here it is. If you're here this morning and you need a word concerning healing, I got a word for you. It's in Exodus 15, 26, and this is what it says. It says, I am the Lord who heals all of your diseases. Today, if you're sitting here and you need a uh, a financial harvest, then I'll give you what Deuteronomy 8.18 says. It says that it is the Lord that giveth you power to get wealth. If you're here this morning and it's encouragement that you need, I, I offer to you Romans 8 and 31. It says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If you're sitting here this morning searching for direction, I offer you this word, that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord and he and he will direct their steps. For those of you today that are in need of protection, 
He says that he has given angels charge over us to protect us in all of your ways. If you're looking for comfort, the word of God lets us know that the name of the Lord, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And it says, and the righteous run into it and they are safe. If it's provision you're looking for today, then I give you this word. It says, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Today, all I'm trying to say that no matter what mountain you're climbing today, the word of the Lord will give you the strength to climb it in this new year. No matter the size of the giant you're facing, the word of God will give you the power to overcome it. No matter how many are encamped about you today, the word of the Lord will crown you more than a conqueror through him that loved us. So this morning, I want you to understand today that the word of the Lord, it endures forever. And this year, I I hope in my prayer for us as a congregation that we will show up to church, maybe not with a physical umbrella, but we will show up at church each and every week with the faith to believe that God is going to move, that God is going to do something, that we are going to experience, whether it's the east side or the west side or the north side or the south side, that we are believing God for some great things. And I don't have some, some uh, expectations, some fictitious goals, but I, I just want to see one person get saved. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice over one person getting saved. How many of y'all believe that Crestview is going to see one person get saved? I believe that. I believe that. So let's, um, out of 1 Kings 18.1, we're just going to read that one verse there, but let's stand this morning in honor of God's word. And let's look at this bring the rain in 2024 out of 1 Kings 18.1. This is the inspired word of God. In this word. Is the power to change lives. You guys sound good. It says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show thyself unto Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth and I will send rain upon the earth. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we just simply come back before your throne. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God, that you are a loving God, that you are a merciful God, that you are a God of grace. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us, where our hearts are beating, our lungs are contracting. We thank you, Lord, for every breath that we're able to take. Father, we're thankful, Lord, today that we're able to gather in this church service to worship you. And Father, today I pray that you will decrease me in such a way that, Lord, we don't come to hear words about you, but, Lord, we've come to hear a word from you. And, Lord, today I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here today lost in need of you, that today would be a day of salvation. If somebody today is just coming in need of encouragement, today your word could be encouraging. Today, Lord, if somebody just needs to walk closer to you, I pray that you would just touch that person and bring them closer to you. And Lord, I pray for your abundance of blessing. I pray for prosperity. I I, I pray for spiritual growth with every life that is in this place today, all year 
Lord, I pray that you'll just bless and touch. Lord, now be with the reading of your word, and it's in your mighty, powerful name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When you open the pages of this familiar Old Testament book, 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, we immediately realize that this is the chapter that um, God rained down. He, 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 he rained down fire from heaven. Elijah's sacrifice. But more than the fire, I want you to see that God kept his promise. God kept his promise to send rain. Because we know for three long years, three years and six months, as a matter of fact, it had not rained in Israel. Not one single drop. Total drought and famine had all but destroyed the nation. Every barn was empty. Every cow was barren. Depression has set in upon the people. All because they had bowed their knee to a pagan God by the name of Baal, the God of the sun. Baal, the one who was supposed to control the weather and the rain. Baal, the God who was to assure the harvest, has been mocked and tormented by the ironclad skies that are being controlled by the man of God called Elijah. So when King Ahad arrives on the throne and begins to set up altars to Baal, Elijah walks into the throne room and he says, it will not rain except at my word. So for three and a half years, not one drop of rain has fallen. And instead of living in famine that others are having to suffer through, instead of living in drought like others, Elijah is living in the highlight. I want you to imagine a contemporary version of this. The people hadn't seen it rain for three and a half years. Every barn is empty. I mean, we're talking about a drought. I mean, there hadn't been a drop of rain. So, so there is a serious drought going on here. Every cow is simply barren. There, 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 there's nothing in the barns. And Elijah comes walking in, and, and he didn't necessarily have an umbrella, but imagine with me in your uh, spiritual imagination that Elijah comes in to that throne room of Ahab. And he says that it's not going to rain except at my word. Because God has already told me that at my word, it's going to rain. So he walks in there by faith. And he lets them know that my God controls the weather. Baal, even though he may be the sun God, he don't control anything. It's my God that controls it all. And I'll apply that to the day. Friend, no matter what's going on in our world today, we need to have the faith to know that our God is in control of all things. And we need to have the faith today when the world is sad, we as Christians need to be glad. When the world is looking down, Christians need to be looking up. Friends, our best days are not behind us, but our best days are in front of us today. We serve a God that has never changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We just simply need to have that kind of faith. So Elijah walks into this throne room, and he's letting this false king, Baal, know that even though it hadn't rained in three and a half years, we ain't going to bow to these false idols any longer. We're not going to celebrate in these false sacrifices. And Elijah is living above the world. How many of you all wouldn't like to live above the world today? 
You know, I'll tell you what, today all the news is sad and bad, and most of us are, are living through some things culturally that we've never would have thought or imagined, and our whole world today seems to have lost its way, but we need to understand that we are the head and we are not the tail, and we need to understand today that Christians ought to live just a little bit better, and Elijah is an absolute testimony to what the word of the Lord says. And the word of the Lord says this, it says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. In other words, what that promise tells us, that you and I are never going to be forsaken. You and I ain't never going to have to beg bread. No matter how bad it gets out there, we are on the winning side. I think it's humorous, if not outright hilarious today, that, that we have throngs of people that are searching the stadiums and events trying to find the highlight. If you're a child of God, you've already found the highlight. You've already found the best there is. Plus nothing, minus nothing, there is nothing better than Jesus Christ. Amen? Psalms 91 tells us, He who dwells in the secret place is the most high of Almighty God. When you have found God and you have found that secret place and you have found Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is absolutely nothing better than that. If you're a child of God, you don't have to search for the highlight. You are the highlight. You don't have to search for a good time. You are a good time. You don't have to search for answers. You already have most of the answers. You don't have to look and search the world for things that it has to offer. We used to sing in this song um, uh, almost every single Sunday night in this church. We would sing this song, and I'd kind of lead it to hand clapping. We'd say that the world didn't give it, uh, and the world can't take it away. And it says things like this. It says, this joy that I have, this peace that I have, this love that I have, this power that I have. And then it would close out with the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. I want you to know this morning, church, that the love that you have, the peace that you have, the joy that you have, the world didn't give it to you and the world can't take it away. It's through. It's through Jesus. And so look at this, look at this. Elijah's being fed by the ravens at a brook. He's being fed by a, a barrel of meal and a cruise of oil at a widow's house. Then in this first verse of the 18th chapter of Kings, the word comes to him, go and present yourself to Ahab because I'm going to send, I'm going to send rain. So he goes during this drought and God's fixing to send this rain. Now you need to understand that rain, uh, not all the time, but most of the time in scripture, it, 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 it would be referring to revival. God has given Elijah a promise that I am going to send rain, that I am going to send a revival. Elijah is empowered by Almighty God, so he climbs to the top of Mount Carmel to face the enemies, and he says, God is fixing to send the rain. What a promise from God's word this morning to each and every one of us that are gathered here, that I will send rain into the dry and desert places, that I will send rain into the parsed places of your life. That God will pour out his provision upon your business in an economic drought. I will send rain on your physical body that is stricken with sickness. 
I will send rain over the nation that has forgotten me. I, I will send revival when my people humble themselves upon your children. When even though they've turned from me, I will send rain when they turn back to me again upon the church that is willing to stand for me. I will send rain and Holy Spirit upon her. No matter what area of your life that you're in need of, a shower, a blessing from the throne room of God is saying that he will send rain upon your family. You know what, today we need that kind of faith. We need the kind of faith that that believes that God is going to send rain upon us. It may have been years since you have experienced rain. It may have been years since you have experienced God in a mighty way. But we need to have the kind of faith that when, when we gather in the house of God, I, I don't know when it was or, or how it was or, 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 or how it taken place, but, but somehow we've just gotten used to church as ordinary. When I go to church, I don't want nothing about the church to be ordinary. I want the church to be uh, extraordinary. I mean, we serve an extraordinary God. We, we serve a supernatural God. And when you look at the Bible, when you look at all the things God does, I mean, he causes the lame to leap. He causes causes the mute to be able to speak. He causes the deaf to be able to hear. He takes those things that are dead and brings them back to life. He takes those things that are lost and he makes them safe. When I look at the Bible and when I look at all of those things, the way we do church today is totally different. Maybe that's why we've lost so much to the world. And maybe that's why we have too much world in the church and not enough church in the world. Because we have just given too much ground over to the devil. We've given too much ground uh, to this world and we need to take some of it back. How many of y'all believe that we need to take some of it back? We need to be a a joy people. People need to ask us why we're able to be joyful. And friends, I, I can tell you a lot of reasons why we need to be joyful, but if you're a saved child of the King and the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, the reason why you need to be joyful is because we are getting closer and closer to the ultimate return of Almighty God. And he's not coming back to ask permission, but he's coming back to take charge. Now, a good sermon always has three points. So I got three points. They're all about 20 minutes long. And so you just need to stick with me and listen. So before the rain comes, there's some things that, 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 that get done. And first of all, there's a challenge. He says that you've got to decide who it is that you're going to serve. And you read about this challenge really about 20 verses later in 1 Kings 18, 21. Elijah is preaching one of the shortest, yet one of the most powerful sermons you will find in the Word of God. And he looks at the children of Israel who for three and a half years have been simply doing some idol worship. And he asks them a question. He says, how long will you falter between two opinions? If Baal is God, serve him. But if Jehovah is God, then serve him. And Elijah asks a question that echoes through the Bible and shows itself in here this morning. How long will we falter between two opinions? Israel is under control of a queen named Jezebel. She has deceived the nation into idol worship through the power of fear. If you oppose her, she will kill you and she will bring judgment upon you. And Elijah looks into their eyes, and they are starving, and he is well-fed. And he asks them, how long? He says, how long? And in this crowd, we meet a man by the name of Obadiah. And he fears Jehovah, but he also wants to appease Jezebel. 
In other words, he, he kind of wants to have it both ways. He's between two opinions. On one hand, he fears the Lord, yet on the other hand, he serves uh, Jezebel. So God says to the children of Israel, I'd rather you lock your doors than come in and offer me anything halfway. You see, if the Lord can't be Lord overall, he doesn't want to be Lord at all. So he says, I want you pure. I want you holy, especially when it comes to sacrifice. I don't want you to be one way when the sun is up and another way when the sun is down. You can't serve two masters. You're either for him or against him. You're either a uh, wheat or tear. You're either a sheep or a goat. You're either serving your father who's in heaven or you're running with the father of lies, the devil. You're either living in the light or you're walking in the darkness. You either stand up for truth or you propagate a lie. You cannot be between two places at once. You either love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Or you simply serve the devil. He's saying, hey, you can't be between these two places. And the point is, you cannot have it both ways. And so Obadiah was trying to have it both ways. In a real sense, it's the same way in our churches today. People no longer want to stand for God. I've called it the Obadiah syndrome. They want to soothe the conscience. They, they want the message to make them feel good without demanding them to be good. And that's where a lot of our fabulous preachers are today. I, I would call them uh, wolves in sheep clothing most often. They want you to feel good instead of being good. And I want to tell you today that God is more concerned with you being good than he is with you feeling good. You see, God is more concerned with the action. You know, sometimes they want the message to make them feel good without demanding them to be good. And they want to go out and live like the world lives and do what the world does. And they want to break covenant like the world does. Then they want a little bit of God to soothe themselves by sliding into the sanctuary so they can feel good. They belong to a people that in the New Testament says they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They're like the church at Laodicea in the book of Revelation. They are lukewarm. They want to walk a tightrope. And so he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? Elijah is more than talk. He is a man of action. This is a live or die moment. 850 false prophets are up against him and Jezebel, their desires to see him dead. And this is a live or die moment. He faces these guys and he's willing to take a stand. The Bible says for us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Let me read that again. It says to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might so that you may be able to take a stand in that evil day. The evil day is not coming, friends. The evil day has already arrived. You see, we need to know that we've got to stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand up for souls of our loved ones, stand up for the divine, for supernatural healing of your body, stand up for the favor of God to begin to bless us, stand up for the power of God to, to be released upon us. We need to stand up for the joy of the Lord to be poured upon us. We need to stand up against the attack of the devil and proclaim that this is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice we need to stand up again for Almighty God. I mean, if there's anybody that ought to be happy today, if there's anybody that ought to be joyful, if there's anybody that ought to be assured on this 14th day of 2024, it ought to be Christians. We need revival. We need to want revival. We need to expect revival. We need to have an expectation that God is going to do some great things. I mean, if you want to stay in 2023... That's up to you. If you want to stay in the routine of always getting the same old, same old, do that. But listen, if you want to have some faith of seeing God send revival, 
If you want to see our nation change, I know that this is an election year, and a lot of people think, man, hey, if we could just get to the November, if we can get the right president on the scene, everything will be all right. Let me just tell you what. We got the right president already on the scene, and that's the president that is above all presidents, and his name is Almighty God. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and friends, he's already on the throne. Whatever happens, whatever takes place, I'm not worried about what happens in D.C. I'm worried about what happens in the big C. I'm worried about what happens in the church, the lighthouse, not the White House. I'm worried about this simply people not faltering between two opinions, and we just simply serve God like we we never had before. Friends, that's what we need to do in this new year. We need to serve God like we never have before, and we need to have faith of expectancy every single day. We need to just have a faith that whether it's a good day or a bad day, we need to simply have faith in Almighty God that God's going to work it out. Secondly, we need to understand is that you need to receive fire from heaven. If we're going to bring the rain, we, we're going to see the fire. We have a God that answers by fire. You need to understand that Elijah was a man just like you and I were. Or he prayed and God answered him. That means if he did it for Elijah, he'll do it for you. What was it that he did that brought fire on the sacrifice? He just simply preached the sermon. The children answered him in total silence at first. How long will you falter between two opinions? He says, you want God to prove himself? Let's, let, let's put these two sacrifices together. There's the sacrifice that Baal puts together. There's going to be this challenge. Two bulls are chosen, and they put them on two altars beside each other. Baal and his prophets shout and dance and prophesy, but there's absolutely no answer. You do all the work, but you wind up acting like a fool. That's the world's way. You serve the God of self, materialism. You just simply get, 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 but you still have nothing to show for it. You'll do anything to get ahead. But when you serve the one true God, he promised to supply all that we need according to his riches and glory. So when you worship the false God of pleasure, you will drink anything, smoke anything, take anything, do anything, trying to find a moment of happiness. But when you serve the one true God, you find the Prince of Peace. When you serve the false God of humanism, you will destroy yourself looking for anything that will bring you peace of mind. Yet when you serve the one true God, you will find the joy of the Lord is your strength. No matter how hard they tried, they got no response. They even cut themselves. No amount of emotion will bring the fire from God. Church sometimes seeks emotion and commotion without any devotion. But listen, there is no high like the most high. There is no fire without the one true God sending it. Whenever you walk into the church of Almighty God, the only thing that you should be seeking is the presence of Almighty God. You're not there to find out what's on the food calendar for Wednesday. You're not there to find out what the latest gossip is or anything else. You ought to be seeking the presence of God because in his presence is the fullness of joy. In his presence, there are pleasures forevermore. In his presence, burdens are removed and yokes are destroyed. In his presence, the lame leap, the mute talk, the blind see. In his presence, dead things live. In his presence, marriages are restored. In his presence, dead businesses thrive again. In his presence, broken hearts are mended again. In his presence, broken bodies are healed again. But all these things happen in the presence of God. Maybe, maybe the reason why churches struggle so much today is because there's no presence of God. 
There's no, there's no rain falling. The church needs to seek the presence again. The church used to believe in the power of prayer. The church used to believe in healing. Some say today that healing's not for today. Whenever we pray, we need to pray the prayer of faith, not some little nursery rhyme. The church used to believe in the power of deliverance, not we want to debate if demons are real. The church used to believe in repentance. Now we want someone to justify their deeds. The church has become so separated and segregated that we sometimes even argue over silly things like the versions of the word. When we quit arguing over the word of God and we start reading the word of God and praying the word of God and doing the word of God, that's when we will experience the fire from heaven that we need. The Bible tells us in his name, the demons will flee. In his name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The word of God still says that nothing is impossible to those who believe. The word of God still says that whatever you shall ask in my name, it will be done unto you. You are what this book says that you are. You can have what this book says you can have. You can do what this book says you can do. You can go where this book says you can go. You see, what we need to do is we need to have faith again in the supernatural of Almighty God. We need to not lay down for the ordinary. We need to desire His presence. If you're here and you're a believer and the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, I mean, listen, you know when it's real and when it's fake. You know when it's just emotion and commotion and no devotion. Listen, you, want, you, you, you need to desire to experience Almighty God. Friends, we're in a world today that no doubt, at least in my lifetime, we're, we're, we're probably living out some of the darkest times. And I was talking to my wife last week, and, and I mean, some, some, some things, and, I, and I've, I've said this one time before, that, but, but I mean, we, we've done gone to the stupid zone. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like it's, it, 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 it's in the stupid zone. So some of the stuff that's happening nowadays, I mean, I mean, it's in the stupid zone. I mean, you can't make it up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, I mean it, it, it's, just, it's just in another, another zone. And I mean, I'm kind of homeschooled, you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like we homeschooled, I know Bob Jones and all those kind of things. But listen, listen, sometimes I think I'm homeschooled because, man, there's things that happen in the world. I just found out some things just last week. I'm like, are you serious? I can't believe this. I mean, I mean I've heard the furry thing. Y- y'all know about the furries? And I'm not going to tell you all the story or anything. My wife would beat me. But listen, listen, uh, the, the, this person was giving me this long uh, journey on the furry thing that, that, that people, what they do to be furries and stuff. And I said, are you serious? You can't make this up. Some of y'all, I'm already speaking over your heads. This is people that believe they are animals and they dress as animals and act as animals and do as animals. I'm like, what? I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, that's the stupid zone for me, okay? I don't want to offend anybody. If you think you're a cat or dog here this morning, look, don't get offended. Just find Jesus, okay? Listen, listen, do what you want. But it says in my Bible, it says God made them male and he made them female. And I mean, I mean, that's not just a spiritual or biblical thing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to break the Bible out and be religious on you. I'm just telling you that's biological, that's scientific. I mean, you ain't here today if you're a furry. I mean, you got here today by a man and a woman. That's the only way you got here. A man and a woman. That's the only way, that's the only way everybody got here. You all robbed the same way. And if, if we go any of these other directions that everybody's trying to go, we, we, we're talking about population control. Y'all know what I'm saying? Listen, that's a whole other message. I don't want to go there. But listen, listen, we, we're, we're in the stupid zone. But I told my wife, I said, you know what? Some of these things are strange and some of these things are weird. 
and they're stupid. But you, you know what? All those words are really not the right words. We're, they're really evil and sinful. It's really sin. We're doing everything to get away from what God's perfect creation was. And even though it's strange to us, and even though we laugh at these things, and even though we make words up for this, this bizarre stuff, it's really just simply sinful. People today are trying to replace or trying to duplicate or trying to substitute what God has already done. And what ultimately every person living on the planet in every single country needs is they need a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking for. Somebody has described it as a, as a God uh, hole that's like a vacuum. I don't know what you want to call it, but listen, everybody needs Jesus. And if you find Jesus, it won't make everything in your world perfect, but it will give you. It will give you a hope. It will give you an assurance, and it will give you a certainty of the future. Let me close. Two closes, all right? Is that all right? I didn't preach last week. So I should get some extra closes, but I know y'all ain't that kind of folk, so this two closes. Listen, if you're going to get, you've got to give. In order for the rain to fall, 1 Kings 18 and 45 says there was rain. He had to go through a lot to receive the rain. With the same measure you give, you are to receive. If you want to receive abundantly, then you've got to sow sacrificially. If you want to see the fire of God fall, then you've got to seek him out. If you want to experience the rain, you need to reflect on the cross of Christ. You want to recognize uh, and understand that Jesus paid the ultimate price through the ultimate sacrifice. Every day the sun rises on the earth. You need to know that it's a good day. You see, it's something like this. We, we used to walk in sickness, but now we can walk in divine health because we have Jesus. We used to walk in not enough, but now we can walk in more than enough because we have Jesus. We used to walk in weakness. Now we can walk in the power of his name. We used to walk in poverty. Now we can walk in prosperity. We used to walk in fear, but now we can walk in faith. Faith that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Friends, today, the same God that rained down victory on Elijah, he desires to rain down victory on all of us this year. And let me just tell you how much of God you're going to have this year. You're going to have as much of God as you want. You're going to have as much of God as you want. You can have as much of God as you want. You, you, I, I can tell every person in this room how much of God you're going to. It's not going to be because of the pastor or the Bible studies, but you can have as much of God as you want. And you got to have some faith. You want church to be dynamic. You want church to be exciting. You want to continue to see souls saved here all the time. I, I thought it was miraculous somewhere along the lines that for 20 years, this church started off years ago and our little theme was to see one person get saved. And last year, I celebrated my 20th year here. 
And every single, and I'm still amazed by this. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm talking about numbers here. Numbers don't matter. It's life and only one matters. But but I I found it fascinating that God honored a little covenant that we had as a church. I remember being big time involved in association. They said, how do y'all see so many people come to know Jesus? And I've told this story a thousand times. And they said, what's your go every year? I said, our go's one. They said, one. I said, yeah, our goal's one. We get one, then we find another one, then we find another one, and we find another one. And then here's what happened last year. We got to 20 years, and over and above that, we saw one person get baptized in this church every single week, 52 weeks a year, for 20 consecutive years. That's amazing. That, you don't make that up, honestly. You don't. We're not that good here. I mean, I mean, you don't, you don't make that up. I mean, when the average Southern Baptist church baptizes five a year, our church got to see one person get baptized on average every single week over the course of 20 years. That's pretty, pretty cool. And you know, somebody, there's always somebody out there that go, well, pastor, if you uh, seen that many people get baptized, where are they all at? Well, that's where we adopted our other thing. We're not here to build the church. We're here to build the kingdom. And so <laughs> we... We can only do so much with this building, so some of them, some of them don't stay around. So see, when you're more concerned about the kingdom than you are at church, a lot of people, that's what they want to do. No, grow the church. We've got to grow the church. We've got to grow the church. Look, I'm less concerned about growing the church. I'm more concerned about growing the kingdom. Now listen, that does not mean we don't disciple. That don't mean we try to close the back door, all those kind of things. But listen, whoever God wants to stay, stays. Whoever wants to move, move. And of course, we have Lighthouse and, and Talbot Houses and Homeless Ministries. And we have, we have a lot of things going here that affects that evolving situation. But listen... When you're more concerned with the kingdom than you are the church, everything will be okay. Listen, I'm six minutes over. Um, my second close is this, and I'm done. I, I, told, I, told, I told you I just had to. I want you to know, we know the story how it turns out, that God rains down this miraculous sacrifice, and the people are astonished, and it finally does rain after three and a half years. My prayer for us as a church and for you as a family this year is that you will just simply have your umbrella up as a symbol of faith. And whatever this year holds for you, I want you to just to believe in the impossible. Believe that God can do whatever it is that you're up against. And know that he loves you and know that he cares for you. Let's stand this morning. Let's pray. If you're here today and you need a relationship with the Lord. This altar's open. If you need to get baptized, you need to join church, rededicate your life. If you just need to have prayer, whatever it is, you do what God would have you do. Let's pray.